Rusty Quill presents. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Listen, I don't care how many times you say please. It's a 12-pack, right? There's four of us. That means three donuts apiece. And you, Jess, have already had three. I missed breakfast, Mark. Come on, just let me have it. <laughs> Forgo my claim to the last donut? Are you joking? Ideally, yes. Should we no. break this up? No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, uh, Probably. No. You touch you that the apple fritter and you're dead to me. <laughs> All right, screw it. I'll just take it then. No, get no, get your grubby mitts off my donuts. But you aren't even eating it right now. Look, I told you. I'll be hungry later. I'm saving it. Look, I'll eat it in a bit. What is so hard to <clears throat> understand? Attention! Excuse me? <clears throat> I, I said, uh, attention? No, not the- Attend this. Yes, what the heck are you doing? Oh, not the donut. 
All right, now that we're all acting like adults. Don't be a spoil sport. It was funny. Funny! Tell that to my apple fritter that's slowly sliding down the wall. I don't know about you, but I found it hilarious. Right? Despite nearly hitting me. Come on, it was funny. No, Jess. A joke is never funny when it comes at the expense of an apple fritter. Mark, I'm sorry. Do whatever you want with the maple dips or the long johns, but you leave the apple fritters be. They deserve better than <laughs> Oh my than god, that. Mark, we'll buy you an apple fritter when we're done here, okay? Sound good? To start. Sorry, Dee. I thought it was funny. It, it, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little on edge. I slept funny on my neck last night, and I... Actually, don't. Don't worry about it, you know. Did, uh, <clears throat> did everyone come prepared today? Oh, um, about that. Oh, looks like Mark forgot his homework again. Uh, alright, well, thanks for the vote of confidence, Cole, but no. Uh, no, actually, quite the contrary. Um, uh, I wrote something. You what? Come on, you're not the only one who could put ye old pen to paper. And since we were looking to shake things up and try to spread our tendrils through the exchange, I thought it couldn't hurt. Good for you, Mark. Oh, no, don't bother sucking up. It's friends off until I get my replacement fritter. All right, I'll hold praise till later, then. Well, well good. You do All that. right. All right, fritters aside, we sure we want to go forward with this plan? What are you saying? Okay, I'm trying to say it makes absolutely no sense to keep making this podcast. Jess was allegedly abducted. The same people who abducted her are stalking me, and better yet, they might have already killed a bunch of prominent exchange members. Allegedly? I, I'm, I just mean we don't know for a fact. Good, because it almost sounds like you think I'm not telling the truth. Of course we believe you, babe. That's, that's not what Cole's trying to say. Is that true, Cole? Of course I believe you, Jess. All right, then we press on with the plan. We try everything we can to expand our reach to see if there is, in fact, a natural human-powered algorithm. The aim here is, as mentioned by Professor Lance Rutland, is to attempt to access the other... metas. Right. So, we send out a healthy variety of stories to every single mailing address we have, including some more obscure entries in the hopes that they, in turn, send it to the folks they think would like it, uh, thereby having them gain our mailing address and then sending us back different tapes of stories, uh, entries, or information. Essentially, yeah. And the ultimate objective is to see if we can find out anything about these abductors? Not just them, but the whole exchange itself. Is it just a bunch of people with similar interests sending each other stories? Or is there... I don't know, more happening behind the curtain? Exactly. The exchange has always been a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Stories, rumors... But no real communication between members, and tall tales and creepy stories being the name of the game, it's impossible to tell fact from fiction. And by simply recording stories, putting them up on our podcast, and sending them back out to the exchange, we hope to find more about it somehow magically? Not magically. There's nothing magical about this. We're outsourcing. I explained it to Cole like this. We have people listening, people who can help, folks who will hear what's happening... Including the listener. Yes, including the listener. But currently, we have no direction not to do exactly what it is we are doing. That doesn't make me feel much better. I don't really know what it is they want, or why they... Why they took you, but if they wanted to do any real harm to us, they would have already. 
They know where we record. They left that initial tape and letter for Cole already. If they wanted to kill him, they could've, but they didn't. But they could hurt him, or they take me again, or Mark, or... The... They could hurt you. No one is coming to help us. I talked to the police more than once, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I got the distinct impression they think we're making this up for the podcast. The only thing we can do now is try to be proactive and play whatever game it is that we've unknowingly entered into. They don't believe us? <sighs> They're still treating it as an abduction because they have to, but when I went to ask if there was anything they were doing to keep you safe at the moment, the two officers I met just looked at each other like I just walked into an inside joke, so... No, I don't think they believe us. A lot of good they are, then. No kidding. So it's time for us to go on the offense here. To throw whatever we can at the wall until something sticks. Who's first, then? Oh, I think I know where to start. Oh, yeah? Yeah, one of the pre-recorded entries I have. Ah, finally bringing out the premium goods, huh? Well, it's it's just a lot different than what we've done so far and might be exactly what we needed for this, um, experiment. This is entry number 007, I believe. Um, story entitled Abra... Abra... Abramelian? Abramelian? Whatever. Uh, Abramelian University. Written by... Oh, well, it doesn't say. And original submission date and original recording by... Uh, yeah, those are both also missing. Okay. My first year at college, I lived on campus. It had been a long argument with my parents, who would have, with parental intensity, wished me to stay at home and make the commute each day. And I loved both my mum and my dad, but the idea of being stuck under their thumb for another year filled me with an overwhelming sense of dread. I couldn't be at home, diligently washing dishes after dinner, knowing that my soon-to-be friends would be walking about campus, moving from one class to the next, sitting in the cafeteria discussing their coursework, and, and meeting at the pub after to expand their minds a little more with some less-than-sober philosophy. It took more than a handful of heated debates, but eventually they agreed that it would be best for me to live on campus, closer to the culture in order to fully embrace my education, but with one condition. If I ever felt overwhelmed or too lonely, that I was to immediately call home, and both my mum and dad would be at the ready to pack up my belongings and move me back into my childhood bedroom, assuring me it would be exactly how I'd left it. At the time, I thought there was a better chance I'd take up interpretive ribbon dancing than admitting such a humiliating defeat and moving home, but I nodded my head, told both my parents I loved them, and silently relished in my victory. That September, I moved into Campbell Hall at Abramalian University. It was both more grand and yet smaller in scale than I had imagined it. Abramalian University. I said the words with a realised sigh of relief. I had finally begun the next chapter of my life. It took a bit of nudging and pushing, but eventually, after setting up my room, taking a tour and a less-than-appealing dinner courtesy of the mess hall, my parents left and I was finally alone. 
Walking about to Campbell Hall, I struggled to keep my overeager grin from consuming my face, and tried as best as I could to play it cool, nodding politely and saying hello when appropriate to all the other students passing me by. I'd be lying if I didn't admit that, at that point, I felt a pang of homesickness as natural doubt crept in, my internal dialogue in the sound of my own voice screaming at me to pack up and go home. I pushed it down as best I could. It was the nerves of being somewhere new. I belonged there, I told myself. I belonged at Abramalian University. As exhausted as I was, I didn't sleep long that night. At half past midnight, the grinding gears and springs of the doorknob and locks to my dorm room twisted and clicked. The nighttime sounds of that unfamiliar setting made my heart thump in my chest working overtime. Sorry, 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 oh God, I'm sorry, I heard a voice say, a timid, quiet, respectful voice. It was unthreatening, not a campus killer, clearly. I gathered my courage and flicked on the light. It was a young man, more boy than man, carrying a couple of boxes in his thin arms, a duffel bag over one shoulder with a knapsack hanging on for dear life to the other. The trains and then the taxi, the, the rain, oh God, what a nightmare, what a nightmare, he said speaking through huffs and puffs of exhaustion and exasperation. I was supposed to be early for orientation and, and now look at my disturbing your sleep, bursting in here half mad in the middle of the night. His eyes were half hidden behind rain-pocked glasses. I assured him it was all right as I stared at him, feeling neither the inclination to help him with his bags nor carrying the conversation. Oh, what a terrible first impression. Oh well, whole semester to make it up, I suppose. Leonard Kosich, nice to meet you. Leonard Kosich. Nice fellow, neurotic at times, but nice. We were enrolled in different classes and programs and didn't see much of each other save for our evenings, both half hidden behind our mountains of textbooks. What little I knew about Leonard, I knew he was smart, sharp as a whip, and witty, too. It was a dry humour, subtle and discreet. Oftentimes, despite how clever I'd thought myself before university, it would be later on, when I'd have time to reflect on the social interaction, that I'd see just how devious a jab I'd received from Leonard Kosich. He had received a private scholarship, from whom I never asked, but he had to me at one time or another expressed the pressure of his specific circumstance and his need to outperform what he thought himself capable it was that undeserved pressure, I felt, that kept him up at all hours of the night. As nice as he was, I felt we had little in common, and so I never connected with him the way I'd hoped in my academic fantasies that I would have bonded with my roommate. I didn't know where he was from, what program he was in, what classes he was enrolled in. Eh, looking back, I was a bit narcissistic, taking any opportunity I could to cut him off with my own achievements and projects. I guess I felt somewhat inferior to him. <laughs> like I said, he was just so intimidatingly intelligent. It was like the pressure of a room changed when he walked in. Never once had I seen Leonard speak up to denounce a statement or claim by anyone trying to over-eagerly stretch some new and exotic philosophy they'd learnt, but it was like everyone knew that he could see through the lot of us. He would be something, whereas most of us would use our degrees to get a middle management position at a bank or a mortgage broker, and he knew it just by looking at you. 
That's probably why Leonard never made many friends. It wasn't for lack of trying or kindness. No one wanted to feel like a fraud standing next to Leonard, friends or not. The lack of sleep, the loneliness, the pressure of whatever private scholarly situation Leonard had found himself in, it was a matter of time, I suppose, until it wore him down to the bone. As we got closer to Christmas break, I saw less of him about campus and our dorm, and when I did see him, the bags under his eyes seemed to extend their reach nearly to his cheekbones that held the rest of paper-thin skin up like a tent pole. He hadn't been eating, I assumed, the pressure of exams mounting. I should have spoken to someone about it, dragged him to the counsellor's office, suggested medical leave to his department head, but I was simply too busy myself. Too busy to care much beyond a shake of the head and a little sucking of the teeth as if to say, what a shame, he should take better care of himself. The night before the start of exams is an odd night. Quiet, uncanny, empty. Everyone on campus holed up in their dorm rooms or squirreled away in whatever little quiet nook and cranny they can find. I was on the search for one such nook and cranny to tuck myself into, far away from the sun, with only my wristwatch to tell me the time I had left. The usual rooms on the main floor of the library, as well as in the furthest most wind of my department, were occupied, so as all students before me, I moved into the quieter, older limbs of the university, looking for some obscure and forgotten nest to lock myself away in. Pushing through a stairwell door at the easternmost stretch of the ancient languages building, I descended into an isolated stretch of basement, which, I had heard at one point, had been used for some long-defunct programme. Exiting the stairwell, the room ahead of me was pitch black. I patted my hand along the wall to the left of me and found a switch that, with a click, turned on a long, spaced-out string of incandescent bulbs dangling from the roof, as if they were an afterthought in the construction of this hidden recess of academia. I moved from room to room looking for a desk and a light, something to sit at. That's always a challenge, find both a chair and a desk together. Somewhere to sit and something to lean over, something that accommodates the primal stance of hyperfixating as best you can on the text below your nose. I turned the corner, making my way around the horseshoe-shaped corridor of rooms, when I saw a light coming through the small window of a door up ahead. Not knowing what it was and too tired to care, but curious enough to investigate, my idle mind resting and waiting for the trauma it was about to endure thought it might have been a flickering vending machine, or perhaps a proper study room with walled-off desks and an overhead projector. <laughs> I walked to the door, rubbing my eyes as I went, and twisted the knob and half-jumped out of my own skin when the overwhelming rush of static sounds assaulted the silence of that forgotten stretch of rooms. My eyes squinted against the overbearing light of a television screen, filled with snow and static. No desks, no lamps, no chairs, just a television on a short, squat AV cart, and Leonard Kosich, eyes wide open and unblinking, staring directly into the chaos of it. My skin squirmed about on my bones and the hairs on my neck raised. It was unsettling, to say the least, the sight of him there. I had barely seen him for the past couple of weeks, and then there in that basement, nestled away like a rat in the bowels of the university, was Leonard Kosich, 
but staring into a static screen, volume full blast. Leonard, I said gently. Leonard, what the hell are you doing? He didn't respond. He didn't so much as blink, his pupils dilated, completely consumed by the bright television in front of him. That's it, I thought. He's cracked. It was all too much for the boy genius. There was a small tinge of self-satisfaction that I'd outlasted him before my humanity caught up and urged me forward to place a hand on his shoulder and try and shake him from his stupor. Leonard, come on, mate. Let's get going. What do you say we get you to bed? I shook him gently and found that he was sitting tense and rigid as stone. Can you hear them? he said. Hear who? I replied, not wanting to know the answer. They speak from the static. They live in it, or behind it. His words sent chills down my back, as little sense as they made. I felt myself nauseous with terror. Leonard, I repeated his name, barely able to so much as muster a whisper, regretting all the decisions I'd made in my life to lead me there. Listen, he said, louder now as if to command my attention. They speak through the static, if only you'd listen. I backed away, barely brave enough to move. There's nothing in the static, I said, defiant in my tone, but too cowardly still to yank him to his feet or to leave whatever madness this was alone. They are in the static. They live in the static. They speak through the static. I couldn't speak. My tongue was tied, my throat was dry. Leave me be, please, he said. I backed away to the door, ready to close it shut behind me and run as fast as I could away and out of those rotten corridors. I've almost got it all figured out, I heard him say. Enough was enough. I shut the door, slamming it behind me and half hoping through my fear that would be the catalyst to shake Leonard from whatever had taken hold of him and ran as fast as I could back to my dorm room. I was shaking. My knees wobbled and I could barely keep myself from falling as I ran, half falling all the way back. I only lived on campus that one semester. I never saw Leonard Kosich again. No one did. Tiny Terrors is an anthology horror podcast produced by Pulp Audio and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. This episode was directed by Cole Weavers, with sound production and editing by Mike Lebeau. To find additional information or to join our Patreon for additional content and ad-free episodes, visit our website, www.tinyterrorspod.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tiny Terrors Pod. Or join the Pulp Audio Discord by clicking the link in the description below. Rate and review us on Spotify and Apple. And finally, thanks for listening.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.